Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to check out Expand the Box Score. Use the promo code 40. Get four days free access to advanced stats over there. So continuing our divisional breakdown as we go division by division, dictated by the compass. So now we are on the NFC East. Walk, how are you and where you want to start? Still doing fantastic, John. Full disclosure, this is Monday, August 15th. This is going to be a delayed release in case shit goes south between now and then. It's true. They all play. Yeah, as we will not be able to record next week. So full disclaimer and disclosure on on this uh, episode, but doing great. We're talking about my division, the NFC East. Anyone that has ever listened to this uh, podcast knows full and well I'm a Eagle supporter and certain Eagle player hater. So this should be (laughs) interesting as that that coin again landed landed all walk and, and gave me the commanders and my Eagles. So let's let's see how that shakes out. And you got stuck with the Giants and the Cowboys, which I told you before we recorded, I would have much rather talked about those two disgusting organizations than than the other two. One disgusting. There's a lot of disgusting organizations in, in the NFC. It's not we the think about NFC it. as a whole. Yeah, man, totally. I was more, more talking like from the head of the snake. And so what a better transition than the snake himself, Daniel Snyder. I got the Washington Commanders as they changed their name. So going by not by the franchise names, the Commanders are now the, the top team. They uh, supersede those Cowboys now in the, the alphabetical order of things. So I got those Washington Commanders. And offseason moves, biggest one, Carson Wentz. They acquired in a trade from the Colts. They got Carson Wentz and a 2022 seventh-round pick in exchange for a 22 third and a 23 third that 23 third will convert to a second rounder based on Wentz total snaps for the year. And it said the teams will also swap 22 second round picks. So that had already transpired, but that was the full goings of the Wentz deal. A lot of picks moving around with escalators. It seems exactly as the trade from the Eagles to the Colts was a year earlier that got my Eagles. One of the first round picks that, we were talking about before we went live and that we'll talk about once we get down to those Eagles, but Wentz has been a uh, hot potato for the last several years. And he's been the, the, he's been the blame of now multiple organizations failures and (laughs) certain Washington based uh, sportscasters. I don't know if you saw this, that they interviewed Wentz recently and the dude, dude did a total shitbag job of just like totally going at Wentz about how he's had like a, terrible trading camp so far and how two organizations didn't want them and stuff like that. I mean, I'd have been out of the chair in two seconds, strangling this grown man on live television. If you ask me either of those questions, like, like the old uh, Jim Everett, Jim Rome interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Call me Chris Everett one more time. Love yeah. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm coming left, right, quick connects to let you know how quick my release still is. I saw that live. Days. I remember watching it thing happen. Uh, did you remember it? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's We're going, this is going to be on the news later. Yeah, Rome was burning that day. But, <laughs> yeah, so Wentz came, kept his cool, but that dude was a total dirtbag, in my opinion. But Wentz, now a Washington commander. They also re-signed J.D. McKissick to a two-year, $7 million deal after they thought they were going to lose him to the Buffalo Bills when they didn't even make any attempts to re-sign him until he signed a contract, an offer sheet with those Buffalo Bills. The commanders just matched. 
McKissick wanted to stay, you know, probably didn't want to relocate. Definitely didn't want to spend a winter in Buffalo, two winters in Buffalo at that. So he just stayed with the money in the, in the nation's capital. And then your boy, Terry McLaurin signed a three-year extension worth up to $70 million. So didn't get one of those Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, three-year $60 million deals, but also didn't break the bank. McLaurin's a little older of a wide receiver. So this three years is probably going to take him through his prime. So that prime is going to be with the Washington Commanders. I don't know if that's good or bad. He's clearly the alpha there, but it's not. He he hasn't really exploded. Uh, no big touchdown season yet. He's just been a reliable target, big senior bowl guy for Johnny Debari here. That is kind of has panned out for him. So McLaurin will be a Washington Commander for the foreseeable future. In the NFL draft, so they weren't they weren't that happy with their receivers. So they went and got Jahan Dodson in the first round. They they traded back. In the draft, I don't recall who they traded with, but they traded back, allowed someone else to move up, and they still secured Jahan Dodson, wide receiver of Penn State. They got Phil Darian Mathis, defensive tackle out of Alabama, because they're contractually obligated to draft a defensive lineman from the Crimson Tide every single season. I didn't even realize he was another Alabama guy. 100%. Yep. Wow. And then they said, what, what? why one? Let's go get running back Brian Robinson in the third round and just continue just to establish that pipeline from uh, Alabama up to D.C. Fourth round, Percy Butler, safety out of Louisiana, who thinks get a bit, bit of pub, but he's projected as a free safety for IDP purposes. Probably aren't going to give a shit about him. Fifth round pick, Sam Howell, who's, whew, man, would he have stayed in school for one more year if he knew he was going to be a day three quarterback pick? I mean, he would have made a ton of money at UNC, or he could have transferred in the portal and went somewhere else and caught a ton of cash for a year and then tried to come out next year, but next year maybe it'd be even worse for him because it's actually a legitimate quarterback yeah. draft. Maybe he thought there was an opportunity for him to have a stock bump this year, but ooh, fifth round pick, not pretty for Sam Howell. Also in the fifth round, tight end Cole Turner out of Nevada, and then they had two seventh round picks. Chris Paul, who's a guard, not the guard in the NBA, but the guard in the NFL. And then lastly, Christian Holmes is a cornerback from Oklahoma State. So not, not, not the biggest offseason. Did go and get some names. I think Jahan Dodson is going to be a good NFL wide receiver. I just don't ever see him being like a, a, a huge fantasy football wide receiver. He's never going to be the alpha on a team. Uh, best case of wide receiver two on a commander's offense. That's probably going to struggle to see him post top 36 type finishes um, in the interim. But, you know, a, a good signing. They were, they were a little weak at the wide receiver position. Couldn't trust Curtis Samuel. His injuries don't have really anything behind him of significance. So, Made it a point to go get some wide receiver talent. Brian Robinson in the third. You or I weren't fans of Robinson. Took forever for him to get on the field uh, at Alabama. Ton of talent in front of him. It's a wait your turn philosophy for the for the Crimson Tide by and large. But pretty sure he's a fifth year senior um, that didn't really pop until this last year when there was little else in the backfield to take touches away from him. But nonetheless, he's going to ding our boy Antonio Gibson as is J.D. McKissick re-signing to a two-year deal. So they're kind of attacking him from both ends. I mean, McKissick is a is a receiving downs back. Brian Robinson is primarily a short yardage goal line between the tackles type back. So where does that really leave our boy Antonio Gibson? Only further compounded by him continuously putting the ball on the turf. He fumbled again in the preseason game. So you're just, you're just it's painful uh, as an Antonio Gibson believer these days because He's not going to be able to produce a running back one season this year. Just it's not an option. They're going to use all three of these running backs, and Gibson's going to have to break off some big ones 
to really return value because he's going to lose the short yardage shit, I believe, eventually to Brian Robinson. And he's, you know, McKissick's already shown that he's the one that gets the primary receiving downs work when he's healthy. So now we're looking at a, what, 15 touch max running back that really doesn't have the receiving upside or the short yardage work. That's, that's no bueno uh, for, for AG24. But where does that leave these Washington commanders? And I threw them in the machine. Leaves Spit out depressed. Yeah, I mean, it's not that it's not. Well, listen, as an Eagles fan, I'm okay with it. But as a Carson Wentz fan, I'm a little conflicted because I'm still Anna here. Gibson. Anna Gibson, and, and Anna Gibson fan, no yeah, good. So, and you and you're a McLaurin fan, so we have some we have some dogs in this fight. I have the Commanders at eight and nine, respectful, respectable, but I just don't think they're great. That yields the eleventh place finish in the NFC for me. I. This is one that I think they'll be better than I had them. I ended up with them at six and eleven. I can buy it. I mean, um, they have a young, kind of upcoming defense. I think Carson Wentz is he is the best quarterback they've had in a handful of years. And in, in my opinion, I think if they allow him to be the quarterback and not try and handcuff him at every turn, like obviously the Colts did late in the season, that they can be a competitive team. I just don't think they're they really have a ton of talent offensively. So, you know, they're going to be limited um, in really what they can do. And and you already said you didn't get a chance to watch it, and I didn't watch it live. But, I mean, I, I was scrolling through Twitter and read a couple, you know, went through some headlines and some recaps of the game. People said Howell looked really, really good. So it, it'll be interesting if Wentz does falter, if, if Howell, Howell gets a chance to get in there and, kind of see what he could do because I, I do like the landing spot for him. And let's say Wentz is good. And for two years, he's their starting quarterback. That's kind of a dream situation, especially for a guy like Howell who can sit back, learn for a couple of years. He's not under pressure to go out there and do big things right away. So I, I, I like him more today for dynasty than I did a month ago. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you or to look up. I think, I think the commanders can walk away from Wentz after this year. Um, I think so too. So it might not be two years, but if he plays well, you would think they would want to keep him around. So yeah. it's a very tenuous point of Wentz's career, and it could impact Howell as well, right? Because if Wentz plays well, he's not just going to accept a one-year deal. He's going to want a multi-year deal to stay in Washington. Sure. So he's going to see how that shakes out. But, yeah, Howell – Box score scouting by all accounts looked good as well. And I do think he's in a decent situation, you know, for being a day three guy. Wanted to bring out the commander schedule real quick, see where we're at. I mean, they opened up season home versus the Jaguars. They can win that game. Then they're at the Lions. You don't like the Lions, so you should see that as a pretty winnable game. They also have games at the Bears, at the Texans, versus the Falcons, obviously two against the Giants. I mean, they're they have some games that they can win this year and then outside of that it gets more difficult obviously two against the eagles two against the cowboys they do against have to play against the packers the titans the vikings you know just teams that are 49ers teams that are just better than them so yeah i think six to eight win team is probably about where they're going to shake out hmm yeah like you said we we like guys there we we want to see them do good I like Ron Rivera, but yeah, there's just it's just the vibe is not going to click for me. Yeah, listen, Mr. Ron Rivera himself threw out the old uh, D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart comparison with how he intends to use Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. And sure, back then that would have been great, but 
I don't know that that's going to yield the same results <laughs> at this point than the peak Carolina Panther days with, with Cam Newton under center. So the good thing with Gibson, though, is going back to college, he's proven to be efficient <clears throat> even on fewer touches. So I don't think it dings him as much as it would lots of other running backs. Yeah, and, and he's super explosive. I mean, it literally is just going to come down to him ball security. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to find those big plays. I agree with you, but it's just a lot of his production in college was as a pass catcher, too, and they just mm-hmm. haven't really used him in that way other than when J.D. McKissick is injured. So, I mean, my larger concern is actually McKissick than Robinson. Boo. Boo, <laughs> these, boo these fucking offseason decisions. He was – we thought we we thought McKissick was gone and it was fucking wheels up for potential RB1 overall. Oh, yeah. If they literally still drafted Brian Robinson in the exact same spot, I would just be giddy over Antonio Gibson. I'd be like, ah, fuck it. I don't care. Give him the short yardage shit. I mean, okay, steal a few goal line touches. But now Gibson is going to get all the receiving work, too, because they're going to be an average or below average team that's going to be playing from behind. <laughs> Sign me up. Get four, four or five catches a game. All right. That's enough commander talk. Too much. Moving on. I'm with two. Huh? Some would say too much. moving on to the dallas cowboys so looking at the draft took an offensive tackle 24th pick of the first round 24th pick of the second round they took an edge now we start getting some fantasy goodness third round 24th pick took jalen tolbert somebody that we kind of liked uh as a rookie pre-draft now for a guy who's going later in rookie drafts i mean he's still a third round pick and most rookie drafts that I've seen, he's a locked-in starter. He is officially in their starting lineup opposite C.D. Lamb. I, I don't know why his ADP hasn't skyrocketed. It's not like people don't give a shit about the Cowboys and pay attention to them and this offense. So he is becoming one of the biggest steals in this entire class at this late point in the season. Uh, fourth round, 24th pick, they took Jake Ferguson, who is a bit interesting, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. Then fifth round, they took – they had three picks, offensive tackle, cornerback, linebacker. Oh, they had another one, a defensive tackle. Then the sixth round, they had a linebacker. So not a ton of fantasy goodness, but I do like where they went with Tolbert, and I do like the Jake Ferguson signing because Dalton Schultz is currently on a franchise tag this year, making $10 million a year from now. If they franchise him again, it'll be $13 bucks. And I was reading that that's like, oh, $13 million for a tight end is very prohibitive. I mean, if he's another, what was he, tight end three last year, the year ago, tight end six or something for a guy yeah, who's if he's your second pass catcher, what do you give a shit what his designation is, right? It's, he's a cheap wide receiver. Yeah, why wouldn't you pay him? If, if you can't come to a long-term thing, why don't you just tag him for the third? It's it's not like it's a cheap organization. It's the fucking Cowboys. They they could find $3 million somewhere for this guy, especially because Prescott seems to really like him. They re-signed Gallup, who's not going to be ready to start the season because of his late-season knee injury. They brought in James Washington, who is already done for the year. And with those two injuries, that is why he's not done for the year. I'm sorry. He broke his foot. That no, Washington's sense. out for the year. No. Are you sure? I thought they said that was it for him. No, it's like I think it's like eight to ten weeks. So, well, f- okay, he can- well, it's from preseason. So I mean, he's out for the first he can, month or two. He can come back after Thanksgiving. 
Listen, he's not done for the year. There is a broken foot. He might, he might be when it's all said done. Wide receiver, broken foot, not a good thing. I thought it was. I thought he was done. Done. Anyway, doesn't matter. He's done for the start of the year, as is Gallup, which is opening the door for Tolbert, who's going to be there. Wide receiver too. And uh, again, we we have these conversations with these other teams. So you got Tolbert on the field, and you're a defensive coordinator. You stop in C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, or Jalen Tolbert. He's going to have some pretty good matchups and good looks. And the the early reports out of camp too was Dak really likes him and the team likes him. So that is pretty good. They did lose Cedric Wilson in free agency and lost Randy Gregory. Didn't do a ton really in the in in the draft, at least for fantasy and in free agency. So kind of the names to know here have been the names to know for a couple of years. There's not a lot of shakeup, but I they're still gonna have one of the better offenses in football. So everybody here is good for fantasy, but yeah, that Tolbert's just such a steal right now in drafts. Um, yeah, last year, Jalen huh? Tolbert, two, seven targets, two catches for 10 yards over the weekend. So maybe got, got the action, but Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush couldn't connect <laughs> with Jalen Tolbert. Oh, Ben DiNucci always gets you. Uh, 12 wins a year ago. Vegas has them pegged at 10.5 this year. So a little downtick there. I put their schedule in the old win-loss machine, and I got them at 11 and 6. Perfect. No argument here. 11 and 6 as well. It has them as a 7 seed in the NFC for me. Um, I agree with you on Jalen Tolbert. It's just literally rookie draft season is over, right? So unless we're talking about DFS, you know, there's really no movement to be had for Tolbert. That's why it was the value there is because everyone was just so optimistic about Gallup, and then they brought James Washington in. So, I mean, maybe that tampened. You know, they dampened the expectation on Jaden Tolbert a little bit. But, yeah, he's going to be starting wide receiver. And he was a senior, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a fifth-year senior. So he's a little older, more mature as well. So probably more prepared for things. And I think he's going to produce as well because they're going to throw the ball. And you didn't mention Tony Pollard at all. And I know that wasn't an off-season move or stuff. But you were talking about pass catchers, you know, and who they're going to throw it to. They're going to throw a shit ton to Tony Pollard. <laughs> Have you heard – what uh, they've been doing with him in practice? Yeah, splitting him out, playing slot. Yeah, he's been doing oh, yeah. extra practice in the slot, which is uh, oh yeah. You know who got Tony Pollard in a sixth round of drafting with Giants? Yeah, <laughs> that this guy. Just I don't even remember my team. Absolutely stole him, in my opinion. I mean, even if he does any punt return and kick return work, which probably he won't, but he's listed as a starter right now. So he's that's that drafting with Giants skeleton key we've been talking about, Tony Pollard. Go and if Zeke goes down with injury, whoo-hoo. oh my goodness! Let's see where Tolbert was in ADP. Wide receiver, fourteen, going twentieth after all. So towards the end there, he did sneak into the uh, late second, late second, mid late second. Yeah, which is makes sense. I mean, that's where he went early mid second, and most of mine, you know, never made it out of the second round. And it, I mean, that's largely because the quarterback class stunk, right? The only guy you can reasonably justify taking in the first two rounds is Pickett, you know, and then if you wanted to reach for Willis, so be it. But, you know, there was no quarterbacks to push those guys down in Superflex, so he probably would have been a third-round pick if it was a decent quarterback class. He was he was going 30th if you bump it up to uh, go back till March. Yeah. So he moved up 10, 10 spots from March to May. Rightfully so. Yeah, like Jan Tolbert, hate the Cowboys. Like Tony Pollard, hate the Cowboys. Like CeeDee Lamb, hate the Cowboys. We're in a pickle here. This, and like the Redskins, you're, you're starting to like a lot of these division the rival guys. The commanders, John. Yeah. 
What did I say? Did I said Redskins. Redskins. You did. Yeah. Fantastically. <laughs> Not your fault. It's his fault. It's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. David fault. Sorry. And fucking locked into that for 40 years. Yeah. Entire adult life. All right. So, yeah, off of Dallas, and we're moving on to my Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Off-season moves. And this kind of dovetails into the draft, too, right? They went and got A.J. Brown. They acquired him in a trade from the Titans, giving up the first-round pick, 18th overall, and a third-rounder, 101, to secure the services of A.J. Brown. Then they threw the bag at him. I think it was four-year, $100 million deal, which, if he can stay healthy, is worth every penny, especially in this new age of, of wide receivers. Pairing him with Devonta Smith is, is huge. I mean, we haven't had receivers like that in Lord knows how long with Sean Jackson and Jeremy Macklin days. You know, T- late T.O. with – insert wide receiver two there. But I mean, that's how AJ Brown profiles as, as a Terrell Owens type. So yeah. excited as an Eagles fan. They also brought Zach Pascal in, in a one-year deal. He's a Nick Sirianni guy. He's willing blocker, bigger body. He's probably going to start in three wide sets and not have any viability, but you know, it was a good depth signing for, for the Eagles who were, who were starting Greg Ward and Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager. Oh, still hurts to say it. You know, throughout last year, opposite Devonta Smith. So, you know, is he a cut candidate? <laughs> is he? I don't see how they. I, I don't see how they cut him. I mean, he's still a return guy. Um, I, I, they will be able to trade him if they can't. They, if he doesn't not going to make the roster, he'll. You know, you can get a seventh round pick for Nikhil Harry. You can find someone to give you a six or seventh round pick <laughs> for, for Jalen Rager. So, um, will be interesting to see how that works. But, you know, he did get like a, he's super committed and, you know, he came with the right mentality in the camp and yada, 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 you know, type thing. So still still holding out hope that uh, Jalen Rager can ever be a thing, whether it's in Philadelphia or elsewhere, because I was a fan of the talent um, coming out. But beyond him, they also went and signed local product Hassan Reddick uh, from my Temple University. Fighting Owls, a game of three year, $45 million deal with 30 mil fully guaranteed, max value just under 50 mil. So, going to bring a little pass rush juice to this team that has severely lacked it as Brandon Graham's getting older and Derek Barnett was kind of a swing and miss uh, as far as a pass rush presence is concerned. Josh Wett's been far better now they're bringing in Reddick, uh, who's going to bring some juice uh, off the edge as well. I'd like to see that. Kaiser White really was a big fan of that signing as well, liked that player uh, with the Chargers and thought he was going to step right in as a starting linebacker. But then they made some NFL draft moves that could negatively impact uh, White's starting viability, even though he's currently listed as a starting weak side linebacker uh, on our lads. Then the Giants went and released James Bradbury. The Eagles scooped him up, gave him a one-year $10 million deal, starting him opposite of uh, Darius Slay. Veteran, solid corners that I think is going to provide a huge upgrade from where we were a year ago when we had some liabilities opposite Slay. Bringing Bradbury in even on a one-year deal is a huge sign for the Eagles. And then they went and got Jaquiski Tart as well, who I think is one of the greatest names uh, in the NFL, and signed him to <laughs> also to a one-year deal. He's going to be a backup uh, strong safety to Anthony Harris. So I'm so happy you said that. I was driving around two days ago just in my car saying Jaquiski Tart over and over, going, man, that guy's got a great name. I didn't even know he was on the Eagles. 
It's a fantastic name. I'm happy to have him. Uh, they also re-signed Anthony Harris, so it kind of blocks him. But, you know, he, he could find the field right now. They're saying that Marcus Epps is a starting free safety. So who knows how that's ultimately going to shake out. But a lot of changes uh, on the defensive side. And then those changes continued where they moved up in the first round of the draft and they had to secure the, the services of one dancing bear, Jordan Davis, in, in the first round. In the second round, they went and got their center of the future. The kids already looked good in the preseason game, just just looking every bit like Jason Kelsey, even though there's no Jason Kelsey, but Cam Jurgens, center for Nebraska. In the third round, Nicobe Dean fell. Harry Rosen was already come out and said they were considering him in the second round. And it was pretty much like a, if he's there in the third, we're taking him. So these medical concerns kind of ding Dean, who was, who's undersized but highly productive at Georgia. And it sounds like it was all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just, you know, that happens sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, where medicals kind of come out and crush a guy or, you know, there's some potential off-field stuff that crushes a guy. And, you know, he landed a decent spot. Right now he's listed as the backup to TJ Edwards, who was a solid middle linebacker last year for the Eagles. But the Nicobe Dean's just a different animal altogether. I mean, I just think he's going to be the starting middle linebacker in Philly before too long. And then we only had two six-round picks other than that because we made a lot of moves around in, in the draft. We were giving up capital here and there to get players like A.J. Brown and the like, so that's where one of our third rounds went. So we got Kyron Johnson, linebacker in the sixth, and then we also went and got Grant Calcaterra, tight end SMU, formerly of Oklahoma, who was already listed as the tight end three for the Eagles on our lads. If this kid can stay healthy, love him. I'm such a fan of the talent and clearly the landing spot in Philadelphia that they Jack Stoll was in front of him merely in some veteran deference, and he's probably a better blocker at present. But they already have Calcaterra above Tyree Jackson, who's on pup, and then Richard Rodgers, who just seems to perennially be an eagle at this point in time. So Grant Calcaterra could be, you know, the, the heir apparent to Dallas Goddard uh, in a few years if his uh, – contract goes down the Dalton Schultz type path, right? Where you just don't want to pay the talent. We traded away a Zach Ertz. There's nothing to say we won't trade away a Dallas Goddard if Grant Calcaterra hits. So, And Goddard was good while Ertz was on the field. I mean, not necessarily yeah. as a rookie, but there's a there's a path where they're both viable fantasy uh, tight ends. 100%. I mean, but that viability li- kind of lived in a world where there weren't wide receivers named A.J. Brown sure. as well. So I think that changes the narrative a little bit where like Ertz was the top pass catcher for several years in Philadelphia. So God, it was like the tight end while Ertz was pretty much the de facto wide receiver one on the team. So that's why I think they kind of coexisted, but you're right. I mean, they're going to run two tight end sets and we'd be interested to see Grant Castletary get some, some playing time. So that was the, the off season in a nutshell for my Philadelphia Eagles. Now also everyone knows I'm still skeptical of Jalen Hurts as the future uh, of this organization. And he's, he's in a, in a make it or break it year. Uh, I believe, you know, we were discussing earlier when we had the saints, when we were talking about the South earlier today and, you know, the Eagles have two fresh round picks next year and what is co- being heralded as a, as a huge deep quarterback class um, uh, for the NFL draft. So Hertz is on the clock here and they stocked the shelves. He's one of the best offensive lines in football. They went and got him an alpha wide receiver in Brown that makes Devonta Smith one of the better secondary wide receivers. We just talked about how good Dallas Goddard is as a tight end. They went and even reinforced the tight end position a little bit. They have depth at running back with Sanders, Gainwell, Scott. You know, they even went and got Kennedy Brooks as a undrafted free agent. No excuses on offense, talent on defense. What does that mean for my Philadelphia Eagles record-wise? 
uh, Homer just just got right in my head here, and I'm just like, yeah, they're winning that one. Yeah, fuck, they're winning that one. Of course, yeah, yeah. Eagles are winning that one, right? Thirteen and four is where I'm with the Eagles, third seed in the NFC. I think they are the best team in the NFC. I we you talked about the Cowboys. I can go. I had the Cowboys as a one-win team, and also a playoff team. I ultimately think they pretty much both fall around that 11 or 12 win type uh, scenario. I don't think the Eagles ultimately hit the 13 win threshold, but I think easily an 11 win team could be a 12 win team if everything goes right. But the moves they made have them in a position to be one of the stronger teams in the NFC this year. 13 and four for you. Same Z's for me. 13 oh. and four. But I, unlike you, I didn't have a homer bias. I think that's a 13 win team. I think they put together a hell of a roster and I like Hertz. So I, I think that's a legit 13 and four. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got there without really believing in Hertz, but their schedule is not overly daunting. I mean, just no. before, going into week seven by their at Lions versus Vikings at commanders versus Jaguars at Cardinals versus Cowboys. I mean, the Vikings and the Cowboys games are their two hardest and they're both at home, you know, going into the week seven by, I mean, they could be a five and one team going into the week seven bye, and then they come out of the bye versus Steelers at Texans versus Commanders at Colts versus Packers versus Titans at Giants at Bears at Cowboys versus Saints at Giants. I mean, they might lose the, three of those on the tail end. It's the Packers and the Saints, right? And they're both at home. And that's it. Their, their hard games are at home this year. So, yeah, I mean, not. It's not a stretch, but I think 12 and five is probably a more reasonable outcome for them, but still going to be one of probably the top four seeds hosting a home game in the NFC. Fantastic. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thanks, bud. And so, well, as that happens, then Jalen Hurts is getting, to get in the bag because <laughs> they're going to have to, they're going to have to put a ring on him. Yes. Um, Let's let's bring this down a notch with some bottom feeding team. You got it. The old <laughs> New York football giants. Uh, going to the NFL draft, I think they had the most picks in the draft. They had 11. Uh, their first two picks were the fifth and seventh pick. I think they did a great job. I mean, especially if you believe in building teams from the trenches. Kayvon Thibodeau edge with the fifth pick. Evan Neal offensive tackle with the seventh pick. There was – Tons of talk of both of those guys being in play with the first overall pick. So they mm-hmm. landed two guys that many people thought were the best player in the draft. So you you can't complain about that at all. Second round, 11th pick, undersized Wandale Robinson at wide receiver. A lot of people are talking him up, but he's looked good in camp and did okay in the preseason game, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm just done investing in undersized wide receivers. So I I pass. I don't care what kind of stuff new coach Brian Dable has in store. I just don't think he's gonna be a fantasy viable option. I mean, sure, in best ball, give him give him a throw a pick on him at some point because he will have some blow-up plays here and there, but no thank you. Uh, Third-round pick, took a guard. Another third-round pick, another cornerback. Fourth round, seventh pick of the fourth round. Your boy, who has become my boy, Mr. Daniel Bellinger, who has no one ahead of him on the depth chart here. Uh, Super athletic. If he can flash anything throughout the season, he should become one of the in-play week-to-week tight end options. at the end of the year going forward next year and beyond when Daniel Jones is out of there. Uh, another fourth round pick took a safety fifth round. They took a linebacker defensive tackle and a guard and sixth round. They took another linebacker. So 
not a ton of fantasy goodness. Um, like I said, Robinson doesn't really move the needle for me. I do like Bellinger, but I like the team they're building, even though I think they're going to suck this year because Daniel Jones sucks. Uh, in free agency, they brought in Matt Taylor to back up Daniel Jones. They brought in Matt Breda, who I think is worth a dart throw, especially in a startup. He's a little older now, but in the league, what, since 2017, if I'm not mistaken. So there's there's very little to expect. However, Devontae Booker looked better than Saquon Barkley a year ago. It's not a leap to say Breda would be as good or better than Booker in a timeshare this year. So he's being super overlooked, especially after seeing what Booker did last year. I'm very interested in Breda. Um, at tight end, they brought in Jordan Akins and Ricky Seals-Jones. Again, we were Akins fans coming out. Hadn't done much in the NFL. Seals-Jones hasn't done much either. They're both viable options, but they're not better players. They don't have more potential than Bellinger. He's got the upside. And then they lost Evan Ingram this year, so they do have a need at tight end. So if Bellinger can do anything, he should supplant them. But 11 picks. Most of it not very relevant for fantasy. Um, Las Vegas has them as seven-win team after only winning four years ago. I don't know where the fuck they came up with that number. I have them three and four. Second-worst team in the uh, NFC. I have them at four and 13, so I have them matching their shit season from a year prior. I mean, I do think brighter days are ahead. I, both those picks you mentioned are... Cornerstone pieces potentially on offense and defense, and are going to pay dividends. Daniel Bellinger already listed as a starting tight end on our lads <laughs> ahead of Jordan Akins. Ricky Seals has been kicked to the curb. He's he's literally back in the line. He's he's in column five at this point in time. So it's Bellinger by a landslide already in this offense. San Diego State product unfinished, but going to get opportunity. Apparently, Wondell Robinson already listed as a starting slot receiver for Ridiculous. them. They got Sterling Shepard, who's still on pup list. So, see what actually happens there. Yeah, Wondell, too small. It's too small to win. I mean, there's too big to fail. He's too small to win. Uh, unfortunately, you just have to manufacture so many touches for players like that for them to be consistently viable. And they can be good for your football team. It doesn't make them a fantasy football yeah. asset, you know, because he's going to have to get carries. He's going to have to get sweeps and reverses. He's going to get bubble screens and things like that. I mean, the, guy, the, the Rams took the little guy. Tutu Atwell? Jesus. Yes. Tutu Atwell was uber productive uh, at Louisville, though. I mean, that's – a little different makeup than a Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson has you know, Rondell Moore, more in his range of outcomes, just a bigger bodied kind of runner. And Moore's done nothing. No, I mean, I mean they, they used him all ways wrong in Arizona, but you know, that's, that's for another podcast. Um, but Wondell kind of fits that mold. Unfortunately, it's like, can Dable create enough with him? I mean, is it, is it his Isaiah McKenzie type who was lightly used? For the Buffalo Bills, I mean, same similar body types, you know, good with the ball in their hands. So, interesting to see what it doesn't wind out. But, yeah, I thought it was a stretch using a second-round pick on him, mildly a stretch. Probably get the guy in the third round, to be honest with you. But, you know, there's going to be a bad team. They're going to have to throw, unfortunately, to your point, Daniel. Tavon Austin is a ceiling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that guy was supposed to be the greatest thing ever, right, out of West Virginia. I mean, he was supposed to change the game. You know, rusher receiver type, you know, hybrid that they're still kind of trying to figure out in the NFL, like these, you know, these dual purpose threat types, but just undersized at the end of the day. Even in this kind of new age, can't tackle, can't touch NFL. These guys still just don't really get it done nine times out of ten. So I'm with you. I'm not 
I'm not a Wandell Robinson guy. I mean, just think about it. Wandell Robinson got second round capital. Give me Jalen Tolbert all day uh, as a third round pick um, in this same division. You know, just as rookie wide receivers go. Yeah, not not interested. And and I I like Dayball. I like his potential. I don't think he's got the players here to really turn this team around in one year because I think a lot of it's tied to the quarterback and. You know, they didn't pick up Jones's fifth-year option, which tells you what they think of him. So yeah, that had to be part of the deal for Dable. He was like, dude, don't pick up his fifth-year option. <laughs> oh, you can't do that to me. I need I need to be able to figure this out myself, whether it's a veteran or if it's, you know. Or even if it is Daniel I'm Jones, if he can get something out of him and sure. be like, oh, okay, this guy. That will pay you, right? Yeah. But, yeah, don't, don't, don't be pot committed to a guy who hasn't earned that fifth-year option thus far. So. And even if he looks decent, I could see him getting like a Trubisky kind of fucking two-year deal, which oddly enough, I thought Trubisky was going to end up here to be the guy to take over if if Jones fell on his face. But Yeah, I mean, there was a lot to that, right, that he was supposed to follow Dable. And I, you know maybe the Giants weren't willing to give Trubisky the, the contract that Pittsburgh did, even though it's not that big of a contract. You know, and Trubisky went to the money. You know, yeah. Or the fact that, you know, at the time they hadn't drafted Pickett, right? So Daniel Jones was at least the entrenched starter with the Giants. It's probably a better opportunity for Trubisky, even if they told him, like, hey, we're going to draft Kenny Pickett if he falls to us. You know, and you'll have to fight it out in camp. But, you know, other than we already have the starter in New York, he's going to have to beat Daniel Jones, which doesn't sound overly daunting. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, maybe he just saw opportunity a little bit more in Pittsburgh. It's a more stable organization as well. I could see if money was – Similar, wanting to go to Pittsburgh instead of New York. Better uniform. Correct. Yeah, Giants are trying <laughs> to look. Like, Giants are trying to look like the Bills. <laughs> yeah, that was part of Dave Ball's deal, also. Exactly. Bring the uniforms with you. But it, as call. we like, <laughs> as we like to do here, closing on a whimper. Giants stink. Yeah, probably They're the earliest alphabet. Probably the earliest alphabet division potentially when the Giants are the fourth team. I mean, do a study, but true story. Well, we, I, I mean, and they're going to end up, they're going to be in position to draft one of the top quarterbacks next year. And by top four and 13 team. Yep. yep. One or two, <laughs> there, there might be six. So any, theoretically anybody, you know, has a shot at them if there's going to be six first rounders next year. But if you're saying Stroud or uh, the Alabama kid, whose name is escaping me. Bryce Young. Yeah. They're in the running for that. Yeah, I have them as the fourth worst team in the NFC, though. I have three teams and two we've already discussed. I have Atlanta and Chicago both as two-win teams. And then there will be a team in the (laughs) NFC West that falls into that parameter as well. So a little little ticker there. Figure it out if you can. I I think it's going to suck. (laughs) I know who it is. Uh, There's not a lot of options. There's one option. There's one option. <laughs> Who I think is also going to be worse than the Giants this year. <laughs> Little teaser for next week. But yeah, that so should the Giants do better it. get their win total down. If they want to secure one of those top talents. Don't go winning four games or anything. Go, don't go getting crazy on me now. I got them one, two, three. Oh, I got them picking fourth or fifth. Ah, the way I'm looking at it, they'd be in like that six to eight range for me. Trash. All right. So that should do it for us. Uh, make sure to come back a week from now to see our 
finale for the uh, NFC West. For myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Out again. Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, <laughs> that goes at the end anyway. But Hurts, if Hurts is good and they don't have to burn those picks on a quarterback next year, yeah, I mean you're you're in fucking good shape. Yeah, because we're pretty good on the O line too. So I'm wondering where they would. You're not going to go get a running back in the first round, right? Even though it's a big running back class, maybe that's how we move around a little bit because still a little unsettled at running back. But they're in a good place of wide receiver, good place of tight end, a solid O line. They've done a lot for their defense. Um, yeah, I'll be real interested to see if Hertz plays well this year, what they do with all that. If Hertz plays well and they can do decent with their picks next year and they're not one of the best teams in the NFC a year from now, Sirianni's probably fucking fired, right? Yeah, I can see it. I mean, they backed into the playoffs. Sorry about that. Fancy. All right. <laughs> Ready? But yes. Sirianni keep wearing all the t-shirts he wants of all his players. Ew. What's yeah. that doing? You haven't seen that? No. Day one of training camp was wearing a Jalen Hurts shirt. No. Like a like like, like a, a Jalen Hurts face on a t-shirt. Like uh Jalen Hurts. Uh and then there was a Kenneth Gamewell t-shirt, which I didn't know existed. I mean it, someone had to have that one made. Um, as an eagle that he wore. I mean, is he getting these made, or is this something you could buy at, like, the eagle store? Uh, um, or from the Jalen Hurts. great question. Website. I mean, somehow these are probably being sent to him. Uh, and he's, he referenced that his brother, the like, high <laughs> school football coach, wears, I, like, the, the T-shirt of, like, the – or, sorry, his brother's a college football coach, like a D2 or something like that, wears, like, the – T-shirts for like the high school of like where his players went to. Like that's how he like it's like a bonding thing with the players. I wouldn't like, wear a I'm like these are these are grown men. Wear my kids' faces on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an adult wearing a football jersey. Like at a certain point, you just have to evolve beyond it. Like just wear the Eagles gear and move forward with your visor. Like, Did I ever show you, know. you the picture? And I have to look through my phone to find. I don't know where it is. Did I ever show you the picture I took of the fucking? <clears throat> I was waiting for my mom at the airport, and I'm standing by the baggage carousel, and there's a a black dude from Chicago, because it was the Chicago carousel where the luggage was coming from, with a full custom airbrushed sweatsuit with Robert Kardashian's face on it, as big as the back. And it was like, thank you for everything or some shit, Robert Kardashian. And he was... The guy was so young. There's no fucking way he was even alive during the OJ trial. So it's like, aside from knowing his daughters, how the fuck would you even know? I see. I thought it didn't. Isn't the son named Robert Kardashian as well? That the 
He's Rob. But it was the dad. Okay. I thought it was the son. So that's, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the dad. No, no yes, it was okay. the dad. All right. <laughs> I got to, oh, I got to, we're done. I got to find it and send hey, it to listen. you. Hey, there's something for everyone, apparently. I mean, it's very strange. I had to pay somebody to airbrush yeah. that on your fucking back. Significant amount of money, yeah. Crazy. Makes Nick Sirianni seem altogether normal. He's just buying T-shirts. I don't get it. <laughs> no, nah. nah, I'm very opposed to this methodology. <laughs> I am. Like, they, it's a man. It's a grown man. Yeah. I mean, you 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 know how you show him you appreciate him? You let him keep starting for you. That's 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 how you um, show thank appreciation. You. Thank yeah. you and shake his fucking hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're under center again next week, kid. That's that's how you do it. I I, I obviously didn't mean as much to me as I'm going to claim it does, but I saw somebody. A uh, little bit of the preseason, I watched somebody scored and just sh- was shaking hands with people. And I'm always like, I like this guy. Yeah. But obviously, I don't like him enough to remember who the fuck it was. But yeah, it was I can tell you who it was. But in that moment, who the Bears play? It was during that favorite, game. Whatever preseason random game. Random player. He's out there shaking hands. Okay. But I like. Bears handshake player. The Chiefs played the Bears over the weekend. Could have been a guy. It was somebody in that game. I don't really say there wasn't a lot of touchdowns to be had. Two touchdowns on the Chiefs. Maybe it wasn't a score. Maybe just made a first down. Justin Watson or Blake Bell? No. It wasn't after a score. It wasn't after a first down. I just like the the non-celebrated. Whose hands was he shaking? Other players? Yeah. Oh, I figured you were like fans, like shaking their hands. No, no, no. Shaking hands. Just like throwing a game. I, I now don't like that guy. I just don't understand the logic. I don't Shit like all the ends. fanciness, all the fucking dancing and shit. Joke. I also saw that George Pickens was doing Antonio Brown's dance, and I can honestly say I've never recalled seeing Antonio Brown do Antonio Brown's dance if that was a fact. It was he weird, said like, he didn't know it was Antonio Brown's Shay, dance. I, I didn't either. So that makes two of us, George. There, we got George Pickens on the intro in both <laughs> episodes here because he's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of old things I like, I was watching a video of people dressed like assholes on airplanes nowadays. And then I was showing people flying in like the 60s and 70s where every single person had a suit on. And I know it's not comfortable at all to sit in an airplane with a fucking suit. However, touch of class. Yeah, they're also smoking on those airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> at the time with their little ashtrays and the armrests. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Different times. I flew on a plane in 2001 that still had the ashtrays in it. Oh, I've been on planes that they were yeah. there. They were just like sealed shut. Well, yeah, welded. Yeah, you knew what they knew what that was. I've <laughs> seen them before. Never led to a problem. There was never a plane that went down because of people smoking <laughs> in it. You might never, as well. Never heard a complaint. Resume. Yeah, I was down the shore and there's a PA announcement that said you're not allowed to smoke on the beach or the boardwalk. Like, it's fucking Fuck outside. Yeah. Where you go? I mean, I, I don't give a shit on smoke, but that's what yeah, I I'm not a like, smoker either, but I do like I overkill. smokers' rights. Yeah, that's a little bit of overkill. Where do these people got to go? Blocks off? <laughs> like, what if you're standing in the water? And you you can't, no, the water? you're not even allowed to vape. So it's not even like it's like lighting stuff. I mean, they, literally, they're just zero tolerance down there. It's like, man. That's fucking all right. crazy. So all these angry people that aren't allowed to smoke, what are you dealing with them now? I mean, they're not getting their fix. They're just pissed off. Strange world. See him smoke while they're swimming. All right. <clears throat> Come and get me. 
Make me put it out. <laughs> if I don't get out here, I'll be done. When they, when they closed the beaches in California with COVID, did you ever see the cops try to stop the guy jogging on the beach? No. And he's obviously in shape because he fucking <laughs> jogs. So the cops try to get him, go. and he just takes off in the sand. <laughs> and he's like I said, he's already in shape. He jogs in the sand every fucking day. Yeah, so half for him. It's hard to run in the sand, but not for that fucking guy. So he <laughs> he just puts on the afterburners, and the cops are trying to. <laughs> Run the scene with their stupid fucking shoes at uh, guys are just. I will see it. That's, uh, the of, that's the type of thing I'm on Twitter for. Uh, beautiful. Did you see that boat thing I sent you? If you were telling me about that boat accidents thing, where that idiot got whipped right off the steer column of the boat. Oh, with the rope? The rope snatched him up, right? No, he just hit like a wave, and the dude just went like sideways. Definitely sent it to you. No, I did. Met tweet or uh, uh I, I sent it to you three days ago. It it was a tweet from Jacob, Jake E D C six three days ago. I wrote thought of you immediately. You didn't watch it. I don't. I mean, I, I unfortunately I see lots of people getting. Oh, I I didn't, but I know this clip without <laughs> even playing it. Yeah, these uh, people all were significantly hurt. That ball guy, it looked like he died in midair. Like, yeah. as soon as he got whipped over, he was, like, stiff as a board. The arms didn't go out to, to protect him. He just disappeared from the screen. That's an old one. That's, like, the first oh. terrible things on a boat video. Oh, man. Everyone got taught a lesson that day. <laughs> I would love to see it from not that camera. Yeah, I don't really else. get what's happening. Exactly. I want to see the video of boat next to the boat but yeah that made me think of you all right let's go and fc east <laughs>